Hey, it's your host, Mark Santiago. I'm excited to introduce you to the next level of this podcast, Empowered AF 2.0. 2.0. In this next stage of Empowered AF, we're going to dive deeper into what it means to be an empowered man in his most advanced form. I'm talking healthy communication, healthy lifestyle, both physically and emotionally, and evolving into the man you've always wanted to be. So stick around and join me in this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. Hey, so if you're in marriage counseling, you're trying everything to win your marriage back, you're just trying to figure stuff out and nothing seems to be working, you're doing probably the wrong thing. So that's why I created my five-day challenge for men just like you who are on the cusp of separation or divorce. You're trying to figure stuff out. You don't know what to do. So look, in this five-day challenge, I'm going to help you gain clarity on what you need to be doing. I'm going to help you understand the pain that you're in and what you need to be doing about it, how to fix that. All of this in five days for just five bucks. That's right. Five-day challenge five bucks. That's it. Get in. Do it now. Don't wait any longer. Get in right now. Do the work. It's easy. Every day you're going to get assignments. Every day you're going to get an action step to take so that you're moving forward and you're going to stop the paralysis that you're in right now where you don't know what to do. You're stuck. All that other stuff. It comes to an end today. Jump in right now. Five bucks. That's all it costs. Jump in today. Let's see on the other side. All right, all right, all right. I've got another guest this week. I know I've been kind of on a thing with guests recently, but that's okay. It's the summer. I'm allowed to have guests. Uh, I decided to um, uh, do some invites. And honestly, it was kind of funny because all the guests said, hey, I could do it like around the same time. So if you're noticing a trend of guests, that's why it's because we recorded them all at the same time. But today's special guest, his name is David Fry. Now, if you are an internet marketer of any type and you were around back in 2004, like you're so old that you remember Russell Brunson still in college. You still remember Frank Kern with long hair. You still remember Jeff Walker, the product launch formula guy. You still remember Ewan uh, Walker, Eben Pagan, right? If you still remember those guys, this guy was amongst them. Now, maybe he doesn't think that, but that's the way I saw him. Um, he ran a wonderful product back then called the coaches and consultants marketing bootcamp that I bought back in 2004. I was in college, David Fry. And you're going, what does that have to do with marriage? Well, I'm going to tell you why. Uh, Fast forward now to where he is at. He is a marriage coach. And I am so glad we got to have him on. David, thank you for joining me. Mark, thank you for having me. This is awesome. Yeah. So basically, you did this um, thing where you've started to transition. Um, you know, you, you kind of sent me your bio, like, and I, I could just kind of share, you know, he basically worked at a big consulting firm. That consulting firm is no longer around uh, and <laughs> for, for various reasons, <laughs> was part of the big That's five, correct. no longer there. And um, he left and started his own thing. I found him and I thought his material was some of the best material I'd ever person in my life. In fact, I would say it was the genesis of all the marketing that I do currently. And this is of a 20 year career that I've had now in marketing um, came from what you produced. And so he's, he's had all those. And over the years, I kind of followed you and somehow on Facebook, we, I don't even know how we became friends and have watched your journey a bit and seen some of the things you've been through and noticed you started talking about marriage a lot. And I remember when you first started talking about this years ago, I was like, huh, he's got some really good content around this. And recently, you know, thinking through some of the people that we're connecting with, I'm like, who else can I connect with? It's in the space. And I didn't even know that you were transitioning to really become like a marriage coach. And so now that's what you're doing specifically for men is marriage coaching. Tell me more about that. Well, thank you. Yeah. I've been doing marketing now for well the past 22 years, but something happened to me back in, um, kind of 2013, I, I have a genetic disease. It's called polycystic kidney disease and polycystic liver disease. And my mother died of it. 
my two older brothers died of it. My other brother had a kidney transplant and then it became my turn and my kidneys failed. I've had a kidney transplant. Now it's attacking my my liver. And so I came to realization that I only have a finite amount of time left on this planet. And I'm thinking, you know, do I want to spend that last bit of time just teaching people how to get clients and marketing and all that other stuff? Or do I want to help people in what I think is the most important thing of their lives? And that is their relationships and their marriage with their sweethearts. I can't think of anything more important than that. And I've been married now for 32 years. And I'm telling you that uh, we've had some difficult moments and uh, we've been able to come through them. And I've learned a lot along the way. In fact, I will tell you real quick, back in 1997, I bought the domain marriageadvice.com, which I still own today. Because back then I wanted to, do, I wanted to help people. I just didn't think I was qualified. Mm. Well, now, uh, so many years, 20 something plus years later, I feel like I have a few things to add. And so I want to spend the rest of my life helping men uh, to become high value husbands. That's, that's awesome. 30, 32 years, guys, 32 years. You know, it's funny. A lot of times I think when people hear 32 years, they automatically assume never been through anything probably just real kosher, easy marriage, no highs, no lows. Um, you know, you have what, two kids, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Two kids right. that are now grown. I think they're both, are they both out of the house? Yes. At this point? Yeah. Both out of the house, uh, went to school, went to mission, right? Like did all the things. It just seems like you just got this perfect family, you know, from the outside and probably even amongst your family, you know, the, you know, the people that you hang out with or the churchgoers and, and such probably all think the same thing, but it's like, there's actually more to it. And I think that's what we're going to kind of get into today. Um, what do you think is the core reason or source of all marriage problems and divorce? Uh, that's a great question. You know, there's been a ton of surveys and studies, Mark, you know yourself, on the reasons for divorce. This has been a just a hot topic forever because the divorce rate is so incredibly high. And I was on a uh, website the other day. It was a website that processes online divorces and they went out and did a, this big meta study. In other words, they looked at other studies and surveys and they tried to bring together and prioritize all the main reasons from these studies. And I'm going to give them to you right now. There's 13 of them. I'm going to read each one so that you hear it. First, conflict or arguing or irretrievable breakdown in a relationship. Two, lack of commitment. Three, infidelity. Four, distance in a relationship, disconnection, lack of physical intimacy. Five, communication problems between partners. Six, domestic violence or verbal, physical, emotional abuse. Seven, realization that one spouse has a different values or morals. Yeah. Eight, substance abuse, alcohol addiction. Uh, nine, absence of romantic intimacy and love. Yeah. Ten, one partner not carrying the weight in the marriage. 11, financial problems, debt. 12, marrying too young or immaturity. 13, lack of shared interest, incompatibility between partners. Incompatibility between partners. And I'm telling you, I look at every single one of those, and that is, none of them are the core reason for divorce. There is one underlying human trait that causes all these, every single one of these 
are manifestations of a human trait that we are all born with, and that's called our ego. Mm. Or better, egotism and, and, and pride. If you look in the dictionary for egotism and pride, they're both the same definition. So egotism and pride are at the source yeah. of all divorce, yeah, all marriage problems. And, and that's exactly what we talk about a lot here at Empowered Man. Um, and it's hard, though, because like as men, it's like what a lot of our guys come to the table with is the, the difference in sin, the difference in level of sin. And what I mean by that is, uh, and this is non-religious or religious, the fact that we're judging what one person does as worse than what we do. And so we look at her and go, well, she's the one who cheated or she's the one who did this. And, and quite arguably so, you should be upset. We or press should, the me button, right? Right, exactly. It's, it's, <laughs> but, we, but that's the thing is we're hitting the she button instead of the me button and go. Oh, that's right. We press yeah, yeah. the she button and not the yeah, me button. Exactly, exactly. exactly. Uh, he's a listener of the show. Um, and, and so in that, it's like. How do men deal with this? Because I, you know, I think you understand as a man of faith, that the idea that Jesus talks about this thing about, you know, you have a speck, in, a speck in their eye that you're calling out and you have a log in your own eye. And it's like, like how, do, how do men deal with this egotism and pride? Well, um, I like to say the egotism and pride is manifested in one word, and that's called selfishness. Hmm. So I'm going to add to your definition, because selfishness is saying that I'm more important than you. My desires are more important than your desires. My comfort is more important than your comfort. My feelings are more important than your feelings. My preferences are more important than your preferences. In fact, you, you mentioned that um, what I call moralizing preferences. Your mm. wife has preferences, and, so, and for, because of our pride, we put a moral value on her preferences. Really, they're not bad or good but we call them bad. So we moralize them. And then we look down on our wives because of that. My opinions are more important than your opinions. My time is more important. So it's all manifested in this pride. And on the extreme end of selfishness is narcissism. And narcissism is an extreme inflated sense of a person's own importance. Um, and narcissists have this deep need for excessive attention and admiration. And here's the thing, they lack empathy for others. So even though they see their partner suffering, they've got no empathy for that. Yeah. They, they have this air of extreme confidence, but in reality, it's a mask for a fragile self-esteem that's very vulnerable to the slightest criticism. So that's on, that's on the extreme end of narcissism. And a lot of men suffer from, I, I don't know if you, it's even good to say suffering from Marston are narcissists. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, it's interesting. You probably could say more than I could, but when I look generationally where, where our current generation is, I say we live in a fatherless generation and, and this, this fatherlessness has bred this thing. Um, you know, the sexual revolution, all these things that happen where it's like, oh, freedom and, 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 and you know, single moms can raise good kids. And, and we've seen that. But for the most part, we're looking at a fatherless generation who doesn't know who they are. And these young men become fathers and husbands who don't know who they are, have no identity, have no grounding, no anchor, faith or not. And, and so then when they become 
husbands and they're expected to show up in a certain way. They have this inflated sense of self ego that just explodes. And they're, these women don't know what to do with it because they're like, I thought I was marrying a man, not a child. You know, and there's always this joke, like I've got three kids. It's like really two kids and their husband. And it's like, there's so much of that in our society, in our culture. Um, why can I address yeah. something you just said? Yeah. You mentioned that um, part of the reason for this pride is a fatherless generation. And I agree with that. Part of the reason we have pride and, and selfishness is the conditions in which we were brought up in. But there's another part that we don't talk about too much. And I want to talk about it just for a minute, because I don't think it's, I don't think naturally men are at fault for right. being prideful because there's a scientific piece to this hmm. um, that you know, you know all about. There's, there's two kind of, of parts to the scientific piece of being prideful. And this is important to know. The first piece is your brain. Inside your brain, you have this little piece in your brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is always, it's like a radar. It's always looking for something that's dangerous. And whenever it senses any type of danger, it sends this distress signal that activates what we call the sympathetic nervous system. There's two nervous systems in the body the sympathetic nervous system and the parasympathetic nervous system. The sympathetic nervous system lights up and it sends signals to the adrenal glands and then adrenal and cortisol is produced, two hormones. And cortisol is basically kind of like glucose. So if you ever given your kids candy and what happens to the kids after they eat the candy, they're like hyper 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 right yeah so that's what hap that's what happens when the body senses danger and the second thing is um is adrenaline and adrenaline is what gets your heart pumping it's what gets your hands sweating um it gets which your body your muscles all tense up you're ready to be defensive and this thing was great back in you know when we were fighting saber-toothed tigers <laughs> but today for relationships is relationship killers. Basically those two hormones activate the body's defensive system. So why do I tell you this? Because men, you're, you're, you were born with this defensive system. Women were too, but because we have testosterone and everything like that, we were born with high doses of it. So it's not really your fault for being selfish and prideful, but it is your fault if you don't do anything about it. Yeah. So I, I don't, you know, and I know that Mark agrees with me. We're not here to shame any man. No. So for your past and your thing, you were probably doing the best you could with the experience with you had, with the education that you have, um, with being grown up in the situation that you did, you're probably doing the best, even though it's a crappy job. <laughs> <laughs> and that part is really not your fault. But now is a different day. Like if you're listening to this right now, now is a different day. It is your fault now that you know something about that. Now you have to take, uh, this is Mark's favorite word, ownership. Yeah. Now yeah. it's time to take, take ownership. Absolutely. I couldn't amen that any more than possible. I mean, that's, that's all, ultimately what it all comes down to. I, personally, I did not have a great um, 
father situation growing up. I lost my dad when I was 15 years old and he was um, uh, emotionally and verbally abusive as it was. Um, I've worked through the trauma of that and processed and forgiven him and honor him now um, in death. And, um, but I wasn't taught those things. I didn't learn all this. I went through it. You know, you go through the gauntlet, but the thing is, like you said, I made a choice that I was not going to live the way I was taught, but live a new way. And that new way to me was much more empowering, which was ownership, which was not letting, allowing my selfishness to destroy me, but allow it to make me into something greater. Um, you know, when we talk about pride and ego, especially it pertains to relationships, it's very interesting. Uh, we have a lot of guys that come into our group and you know, they, just, they just have all this pride. Like, well, well, I did this and I did that. I said, I love you. I took her on dates. I, you know, did all these things. I don't deserve this. Um, that's one way I see it show up. But like, tell me a little bit more about what you see in terms of pride and how it manifests in a relationship. All right, I will. But I wonder if you'd agree with me that your divorce is the greatest thing that ever happened to you. I mean, hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, I, you know, it's hard to say that from a faith perspective, but, but being through, having gone through it, it was, it was absolutely the best thing I could have ever experienced. And why, why is that? I found my power. Not that we want everybody to go through this, but why yeah. do you think that is? It, it was, it was my wake up call to, to my own power, to what, what I needed to do for, for me and my kids boundaries. Like I didn't think I was worth anything. Like I was so beat down in that relationship and it was toxic and I allowed it. And there was red flag. Like when I, when I processed the whole relationship, there were red flags before I attracted this person into my life. I, I was a savior white knight. Um, you know, and I was trying to compensate for my own insecurities and inadequacies by rescuing this girl basically. And instead of having a healthy partner where we were more equal, um, and where we are able to deal healthily with our own baggage, I didn't have that. And so you just grit through it and, you know, and you made a commitment and you took death to us part. And that was the way I lived my life. And at some point it was like, this is not happening anymore. And at 40 years old, I said, I can't do this anymore. Um, and it has been the greatest, the best decision of my life. Right. So we're not saying that divorce was a bit, the best, the greatest thing has happened to you because it woke you up. Yep. And some men never go down far enough to get woken up. Yeah. And some men go down, but they never get woke up. Yeah. The tragedy can do, you can do two things with tragedy. You can make it the greatest thing that's ever happened to you, or you can make it one of the worst thing that's ever happened to you. It's only the greatest thing that's ever happened to you if it wakes you up and motivates you to make the changes you need to make in your life to become an empowered man. Yep. If you go through a divorce and care and don't do anything to change your life and you carry all that crap into your next um, relationship, shame on you because you should have learned something. So I always tell men that I know you're suffering. I know you're going through a difficult time. I know your heart is being ripped out of your chest. And you might not believe me right now, but this is the best thing that is ever happening to you. Um, but let's go back to, to your question. So I'm going to ask questions. And for the men that are listening to this, I just want you to think these are interrogative questions. I don't even know if you say that right, but these are questions that you don't have to answer out loud, but I just want you to think about them. Do you find it very hard to admit when you're wrong? to your wife? Do you, you find it hard to apologize for things to your wife? I've got a friend who went through a divorce 
And he says in his 20 years of marriage, his wife never once apologized for anything. Hmm. I'm like, are you serious? But um, do you argue a lot? And do you feel the need to always be right and always have the last word in your arguments? Hmm. Or can you be submissive? Do you cut off your wife when she's talking to you hmm. just to give your opinion so you can get your thoughts out? Do you dismiss her feelings by saying things like, ah, get over it, or man, that shouldn't bother you, or why are you getting mad about that? That's dismissing feelings. That's a manifestation of your pride. Do you constantly find fault with your wife and call her out for stuff frequently? Do you just walk away when you get upset? A lot of men do this. They get uh, emotionally um, full, overloaded, and they just walk away. Do you give her the silent treatment for hours and days after an argument? Do you get your feelings hurt easily, especially when she like gives you a suggestion about something? Do you feel as if you're being attacked when she's trying to point out that she feels was, was wrong? Do you moralize her preferences, something we talked about earlier? Do you find it really hard to give her a compliment or to express your appreciation for her? Do you expect to be served by her, especially if she's a stay-at-home mom? Do you do what I call boomerang blaming? When she blames you for something, you automatically blame her back, either for something else, a different, or another blame back at her. Um, do you think that you're always getting the short end of the stick? Do you put her down about the way she looks or her lack of skills or she, doesn't, she hasn't done what you think she's gotten done that you thought she was supposed to get done while you were gone? Do you feel like as a husband, you should always have the last say in decisions? Do you even have a hard time getting her input on decisions? These are all manifestations of pride and egotism. If you're doing any of these things, these things are wrecking your marriage. And, but they can be fixed, but they're wrecking your marriage. That's a, that's a great set of questions. Um, guys, if you didn't write those questions down, if you're driving or whatever, you need to go back and write them down. Write them down. Ask yourself those questions. Journal about them and, and really process those. Because look, as, as David just said a, a couple minutes ago, we're not here to shame you. We're not here to beat you over the head and say you're a bad man. We're here to do is wake you up and, and, and help you move forward. And those questions I think are great. And for, for even myself to constantly be evaluating on and going, okay, is this an area of weakness right now? And if it is address it, why, why do I feel attacked? Is it because I feel like there's a lack of connection? Is it because, you know, what is it? I actually am dealing that with my, my 10 year old son right now. We're telling him to do things and he's feeling attacked. And so I'm like, okay, let's get to the bottom of that. Why are you feeling insecure? What, what is it about it? He's missing probably, you know, friends and routines and things like that. And so we are able to talk through it. We can do the same as men. We can look at that thing, answer the question and go, yeah, I'm feeling attacked. Here's why. And start to articulate that. And when you can then articulate to yourself, you can then articulate to your wife, honey, when you do this, I feel attacked. Oh, power statement, right? And, and this is why I feel attacked when this happens. And that gives her an opportunity to go, oh, I'm so sorry you feel that way. That definitely isn't my intention. What I'm wanting to do is this. And it's like, then we can come together and start like doing this. Now, I know that's not the fix, but I want to hear what your thoughts are on like- That sure is start. That's a great yeah. start to the fix. Yeah, well, let's hear. I want to hear some more from you though, because you're the, you're the guy today. I want to hear from you. <laughs> well, yeah, let's, we're going to go into some things, but I just want to say one last thing about these questions. 
yeah. if you really, really want to do something cool, write down all those questions and put a little thing under them. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and have and give it to your wife mm. and ask her to rate you <laughs> on each one of these questions. Now, don't do I that. I did if you guys that with my wife. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Because her perception is the truth. Yep. Yep. It doesn't matter what you think you are. Her perception is the truth. If she perceives you to be that, yeah. Um, that is the truth in the relationship, and it, and vice versa. Yeah. Right. Yep. But it will give you a great starting point as to what you can do. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Join your host, M. Sizzle, J-Dub, and Mandrew as they sip on some bourbon and spit some truths. Welcome to the Bourbon Moment. Biggest misconception about seeing a therapist who drinks moonshine pudding. I don't know. It probably hasn't happened before. <laughs> um, I am possibly like tying myself up to a noose right now. Who knows? Um, I don't know. Maybe the misconception is that maybe I'm unrefined. What was that Hooter slogan? The what slogan? Hooter slogan like a long time ago, like delicious yet unrefined or something like that. <laughs> I don't remember that one. <laughs> anyway, um, I don't know. I don't know. I've never, I've never asked, but I, I will say that they probably, they probably suspect somebody to be pretty buttoned up and, mm. and pretty polished most of the time. Um, and to sort of act like a therapist outside of the sofa. Um, but like most people that I work with, like I really just kind of want to be friends with them. Like, and we cut up and like, we laugh and we say obscene things and we talk about life, like in like outside a session. And yeah, I find that, uh, they probably don't, um, they probably forget to attach like personhood to it because, mm. um, you know, in therapy, you don't really share much about yourself. You don't open the kimono. You don't talk about your stuff. And I do all the time. So, um, uh, cup or not. So <laughs> who knows? So interesting. I, I, I would say then how to, like the misconceptions, what about guys that come into our program and maybe get on your call for the first time? What do you think some misconceptions are that they have about you? Cause you're a marriage therapist. Uh, maybe that I'm going to team up with their wife and they're just going to get pounded again by another woman. Mm. Maybe that. Um, or maybe the other side of that is that I can give them all the answers about everything that their wife was thinking. And, and then they'll know once and for all um, without recognizing that she and I are probably very different, that there's not like a one woman, even though we talk a lot about like, generalizations you know women in general but there's so many nuances but they probably have some misconception that because of the way i think she should think that way and so maybe now she's wrong for not thinking the way that i with you know decade plus experience and you know eight years of training under my belt should have like that's yeah. probably not probably not fair to their spouse sometimes yeah, that makes sense and I, I can attest, I've seen the displeasure on guys' faces when Misty does not agree with what they're saying. 
and they've just shared this grand story about what she what she the wife did and you know i like misty's kind and tactfulness and sometimes just direct for the jugular feedback and not that it's intended that way but guys need to hear that and i think when they're not validated in the experience they're sharing um I think it serves as like a litmus test that, hey, just because someone is a woman gender wise, we're not going to get into like gender and all of that right now. But just because someone is a woman does not mean that they need to agree with your viewpoint or disagree. And I think it, it, and Mark and I have talked about this and so have Andrew and I, where I think when men are able to hop on Misty's call and speak openly, it's a part of their healing journey of being able to have this amicable conversation with a female that one, they're not trying to pursue, and two, they're actually going. Hopefully, hopefully. I'm kidding. Hopefully. <laughs> hopefully, they're not trying to pursue. I've had a couple of messages kind of the already about her. Getting, like, uh, man, she's really cute. Yeah, okay. Well, you need to like calm down there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we've ever had like any guy that's like been over the top in that way. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? Shooting his shot right there in public, like, right. dude. What the fuck? <laughs> I would, I would I would call that out. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that would be hilarious. That would be something I'd be willing to create a Facebook ad out of, like how to get dejected, dejected by your your therapist. Right? It's like, dude, what? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I would I, I would almost say that the biggest thing for when I'm on a call with Missy is when she calls the guy out. Kind of like what Joey was saying, when they're saying like all this stuff and I've done all this, and then she's just like, no. Like it's, it, it reiterates what we say, but when it comes from Misty, they're like, hmm, maybe it's real yeah. now. Yeah. Honestly, I think I get that feeling quite a bit where it's like we have the same message, but when it comes from Misty, it's like, oh, so that is how they sometimes think. Or that is how it should be. Because she has that voice and that, that the female power there, it, it comes in. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting just to add on to that. Um, the frustration that I've witnessed on some men's face and I'll reference the, and I'm not going to contextualize this just for privacy, but a few weeks ago, Misty, Andrew and Kevin and I were on a call and it was Misty's call. And this gentleman, Misty, you probably remember because I was messaging you and I was like, something seems off. He is not sharing all of it. And even Misty said back completely bluntly private message. Yeah. My bullshit radar is going off. And this guy, like, it was clear we were not getting the full story, but the story we were getting made him seem like a saint, like he had done no wrong. And the look on Misty's face where she finally was like, well, it's all the feedback I've got for you. And then she moved on to the next guy. It was almost like his lack of, his lack of validation forced him to look inward. And I actually got a private message that I didn't tell Misty about. I got a private message about him feeling scared to take full ownership because he was afraid to share with a woman. And I think it's interesting how that comes full circle. And I know we kind of got off topic for a second, um, but this dynamic that we have with Misty inside our program, it serves as a permission slip for some of these guys to either, for lack of a better word, sink or swim. But of course, they start sinking I got the life buoy. I'll bring you back. Yeah. I mean, we see that on the sales teams too, because we have a couple of females on our, our closing team now. And one last week, 
you know, we had a really good application from this guy who was interested in joining the program, business owner, just kind of fit like who we're looking for. And he literally hung up on the advisor because it was a female and said, I don't want to talk to a woman and hung up. And I'm like, well, good, because you would suck in our program then because we have a female marriage coach in there. So, you know, whatever. I don't think he would like me very well. No, he wouldn't. And I mean, that's what I wanted to ask you is like, like, well, not why do men hate you, Misty, because that's not the issue. (laughs) But like, like, honestly, when you were talking about this guy earlier, right, I I noticed this a lot, too, with with men. And it doesn't matter if they're talking to a man or a female, but men, especially in these positions, right, where they're 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 calling us or they're talking. And I'm talking about guys who haven't even gone in the program all the way to guys who are in the program. But they have this thing where they lie. And, and, and I, I tell my, my sales team this all the time. I said, look, about 98% of the time, they are lying to you. And it's, and it's because they're telling themselves a lie about their situation. But why do you think men specifically um, come with that? Like, like where they're, they, they don't want to be honest. They don't want to be vulnerable. Like, what's that about? Oh, man, it's probably a ton of things. But like, as soon as you said it, like my knee-jerk reaction was shame. I think men and shame don't, um, they're not a good pairing, but it happens a lot. Whether it's, um, you know, shame about who they are, shame about who they're not, shame about what's happening for them, shame about what's not happening for them, shame about what others say about them. I think there's a lot, because of that, there's a lot of like, ego protection and you know you mentioned like sink or swim and I think it's like you know fight the good fight and preserve every bit of of whatever it is that you have um but I I mean at its core I guess it's an inability to um be fully seen Mm. because if I'm fully seen and people don't like me um or want me or care about me or what have you fill in the blank, then there really must be something wrong with me or bad about me. I really mm. must be a bad person. Um, there's probably a ton of other stuff, but like that's the first thing that kind of popped up. It was just this, like brewing. So kind of like a core identity of yeah. I'm shameful, I'm bad. And all, all, all I'm coming to you with this story to protect whatever little bit of identity I have left and and, and to protect things. I, I use I use the term ego a lot in, in this context and talk about men using their ego as something that is to protect the story they've been telling themselves about the situation. You know, especially yeah. like by the time they come to us, they've told their story a hundred times to a hundred different people, all saying the same thing, she, 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 which is why we invented the she button, because we were like, dude, we can't help you if you keep hitting the she button, you gotta hit the me button. Thanks for joining us on the Bourbon Moment. This is your host, M. Sizzle. I've got Mandrew and I got J Dub. And we are out. We'll see you next week. Hey, thanks again for joining us on this episode of Empowered AF 2.0. If you're new here, thanks for checking out this episode. And I encourage you to take a visit back to the first episodes in this podcast. Look, we have over 50 episodes on the foundations of how to be an empowered man. I'm talking about in your relationship with your wife, your kids, your work, your boss, whoever and whomever. And I highly suggest you take some time to listen and gain some insight and knowledge from those episodes. And hey, if you want to connect with me deeper, be sure to check out the Empowered Man group. That's empoweredman.co slash group 
empoweredman.co slash group for latest information and to join our group of other men who are wanting to be empowered just like you. Until then, this is Mark signing off, Empowered AF 2.0.